Welcome to today's first episode. I'm super excited to bring to you Women Leading Validation. This is our initial launch of Priscillarx and Connect's joint initiative as we identified a missing voice within our industry. So we launched Women Leading Validation, a network of women within Connect's that specialize in validation where we can support each other. We have a simple goal. The podcast will bring you conversations with leading women in validation where they can share trends and topics, but also insights about what it's been like as women within the industry and hope to inspire the next generation. Today, I have a pleasure of introducing to you Madvi Gason, who I met through Connects Conference last December and instantly bonded over our affinity for a nuanced conversation about CSA and CSV. Mavi comes to us with 20 plus years of experience in life sciences, currently at KPMG and previously at GAE Healthcare and Takeda. Mavi is a leader whose risk-based approach um, really knows how to make an organizational change happen in practical ways. I've had the pleasure to be able to record this live with Mavi at the Connects CSA hybrid training in Philadelphia this past May, where we were both presenting. Enjoy our conversation and welcome Mavi. This podcast is produced in partnership between Percellarex and Connects. Our goal is to promote and advance the validation practice among women. This is a podcast for female professionals in the life science industry. Here we will be all about trends and challenges of validation today. Each episode bringing you interviews from special guests and thought leaders, where we'll explore all areas of validation, from cleaning and process equipment and validation, as well as computerized systems. Our mission is to connect and support women leading validation, to create greater equality and increase access to support those leaders and empower women at all levels and roles within health and life sciences. Today's guest is here as an individual subject matter expert and contributor. Their views and opinions are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employer. Before we get started, please don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and feel free to share with a colleague or two. Welcome. All right, so welcome, Madvi. We are finally in person. We're here in Philadelphia. Well, welcome. Thank you for having me, Dory. It's an honor. It's been a while since we've all been together. And well, we met in San Diego. Right. We met in December, and that was the first in person event that I had done in a long time. I think for you too, right? Correct, correct. Outside of a couple of clients. Um, visits. Yeah. yeah. This was the first conference in, gosh, two and a half years. Yeah. So this is, we are at the Connects Computer Software Assurance um, hybrid training, they're calling it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's been a half day yesterday, a full day today. Um, and we are um, in the um, sponsor hall today. So um, we are early morning. Um, people still haven't come in yet, so we're going to get kicked off very early today. It's an early day. For those that are on the West Coast, I can't imagine even joining at 8.30, I think, when we're supposed to start. So, Well, that's why we have virtual, right? <laughs> so that they can catch up on those uh, recordings later. We'll be all recorded. So this is the first um, going to be launched podcast for Women Leading Validation. That's awesome. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm thanks so for being, you know, participating and joining. Um, this is a, a, a concept that Connects and Priscillarx has been um, noodling on for a co- you know, couple months now and trying to figure out how to reach this new audience. And one of the first people I wanted to interview um, for the podcast is yourself. So can you tell us a little bit more? Well, yeah, I've been in validation CSV for, gosh, for over 24 
close to 25 years. Um, I started out as a lab tech, believe it or not, working in a toxicology lab, and um, didn't really care for doing animal studies, and it was a, a little bit not my, my cup of tea. <laughs> and back then, they called it V&V. And uh, we had a data acquisition system, mm-hmm. and and we were using Lotus One Two Three to do yep. calculations. <laughs> and my boss, who was a female director, was like, "Well, you know, does anybody want to help in regards to this V and V activity?" I said, "Absolutely, get me out of the lab." <laughs> and I really enjoyed it, and then moved to the West Coast, um, and. Got a job in computer systems validation, and the rest is history. It's really interesting. A lot of um, women, as particularly that I interview and talk to, is this circuitous route to the the careers that they're on. So, like yourself, I'm 25 years plus, right? But mm-hmm. you know, started off as a chemist, and here we are, you know, doing what we've been doing for decades, which is kind of astounding. At the same time, it's not what we planned. No, right? Um, and so. With that, like you've been in and out of a cons- as a consultant, which mm-hmm. is um, what, one of the things I love about it, and I'm, I think it's similar to you, is that you get to see a lot of different things. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, even within my own career, I had been at a number of different companies, be it biotech. Uh, I work. I started out in a plasma refract yeah. uh, company that uh, um, basically used human plasma to create drugs. Um, from there, I went to an oral dosage generics company, um, was a medical device for half my career. And so I, even with that, I saw a variety of different things, different maturity levels. Um, but one thing that's always been constant is how FDA has also evolved, mm-hmm. um, especially within CSV. It's interesting because I remember when I first started out, well, you know, we're, we're a generics company, you know, it's not that... CSV is CSV is CSV. And one of the interesting things, and we've heard this over and over again, even here at Kenex, um, I'm sure at many pod, you know, webinars that you've attended, is that CSV and CSA, nothing really different. No, it's not new. No. Right? <laughs> I remember when GAMP 4 even came out. Mm-hmm. Um, GAMP 5 is a big deal. Oh, yeah, GAMP 5. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, but yeah. even with GAMP 4, it came out with you know, risk-based approaches, Mm -hmm. looking at the risk of the system, risks of requirements, leveraging that to scale your validation activities, scale your testing activities. And it's astonishing, even what we're 25 years later, and companies are still grappling with it, not really understanding, can I take a risk-based approach? How are the regulators going to feel about it? I remember, gosh, this must be... I will have to say 2008, um, I, that's when I was, in, I was still in consulting. That's when I, was, I did my little small stint in consulting for four years before going back to industry. And um, we were doing a major ERP remediation. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, yes, that word was bad. <laughs> but we applied risk-based approaches to yeah. that, yeah. Um, looking at... Um, the system, looking and leveraging documentation, leveraging what was already done, um, looking at um, how to test. I mean, it was, we were doing it back then. Well, a lot of what you were saying yesterday, and I really appreciated your talk about um, 
and what I am very passionate about too, right, is the organizational excellence and the organizational oh, yes. change, right? And so I think the key differentiator that we see, and I know you've seen at BMS and others, right, is that it's just this um, uh, capacity to um, influence change where change is possible. Well, absolutely. And um, it's interesting because I remember back, like I said, working with IT organizations, working with um, IT professionals and their resistance mm-hmm. to yeah. computer systems validation. And one of the things that I keep telling them is, was bringing them along in the journey was take credit for all the great work you're doing. Right, right, right. You're yeah. already doing this documentation. And that's a people thing, too. Right. Right? People want to feel valued. People want to feel like they're adding um, to and contributing to a greater cause, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you don't give them credit for the stuff that they're doing and where they're documenting it, a lot of the feedback I get from, like, software developers is, I already did all this stuff. Why are you doing this again? Mm-hmm. Right? They've already done a ton of documentation, right? Mm-hmm. Loosely um, called because we put so much emphasis on a specification or a document, and that's like a misnomer, right? There's there's data and data wherever you document that, right? Exactly. All you have to do is slap an approval page on it, and you can call it whatever you want. And and then that was one of the things that um, I found very important. The other thing from an organizational uh, management, change management perspective, is people at, at, at... the people, right? Mm-hmm. It's not your IT professionals, but people on the shop floor mm-hmm. who have that are closer to the product and feel that they have to do more because they're closer to the product. Yeah, it's not necessarily true as well, right? right. right? Yeah. So you purchase a lot of this, these systems, you purchase a lot of this equipment from vendors who actually do again a lot of documentation right. and that are experts in yes. those things right um, so why not leverage it yeah. why not use that so um, that's been another change that we've been bringing mm-hmm. along and then also you know your quality professionals um, I am one mm-hmm. um, I'm proud to say that but having them look at it from a business lens right look yeah. at and the other thing and it was interesting someone as I mentioned this yesterday in the keynote speaking at the beginning and the opening remarks was people losing their jobs yeah and it's not the case right. it's their focus right. and focusing on the right things yeah. versus focusing on everything right yeah, you can't, and it's um, not possible, and, and it's these sort of skill sets that um, need to be developed mm-hmm. within individuals and then within the organizations in order to, to get that. Yesterday, we also talked a lot about risk, right? Right. And, and the fundamental problem is everyone has a different risk tolerance, right? So we can't talk about risk in general, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think um, one of the flaws, frankly, in CSA is that they want to um, do this uh, spectrum, mm-hmm. right? And that, while that's true, there is a spectrum. You can't quantify a spectrum. Oh, it's an art, right? It's, it's absolutely an so, art. And so, and it's conversation and it's understanding all of those nuances within that. And so, a lot of times, having that nuanced conversation is uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, I've, I've sat in workshops, and I think a lot of the reason that. This, the risk-based approach wasn't taken was because everyone was just rushing to get to yeah. implement, right? Yeah. They're like, you know what, we don't have time to do this up front. Right. We'll test everything, we'll get it done, yeah. move on. What they don't understand, and that was the ROI piece mm-hmm. that I was speaking about yesterday, is 
if you have those up upfront conversations, and it's like basically quality by design, right? You have those upfront conversations. That's what Ed and I are going to talk about today. Oh, great, yeah, great. Because it, it is. It's quality. It, these are manufacturing principles. Oh, absolutely. That have been done for 30 plus years. Right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but if you do those conversations and spend maybe an extra week yeah. having those discussions, right. then you save days, weeks right. at the end. Um, we did a project, gosh, I'd say about, almost two years ago. And um, it was a ServiceNow implementation. And um, the client was like, oh, you know, we're going to test everything. And the, the woman who owned the project gave me a call. And she's like, Malavi, I know we can do this better. Yeah. Can you just come in for two weeks and help me do a risk assessment on my requirements? And I was like, okay. Yeah. So every, every day we did like an hour, two-hour session workshop. 45%. Yeah. We could, they saved 45% yeah. of time and effort. Um, we didn't quantify cost, but time and effort by just placing some simple principles. Yeah. In conversations. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's just having the conversation um, and having the debate. I think it's a healthy the debate. debate. Yeah. And, and it's, you're it's, absolutely right. And it's a good debate to have. Yeah. Um, Rather than coming and asking for another checklist. Correct. Because that's uh, the other thing that I often get, right, is um, just give me the checklist. Just give me the, the SOPs that you want me to do. It, that's kind of meaningless to right. me because if you're not writing good requirements, if you're not writing good tests or even understanding what you're testing and why you're testing them, then what do you exactly do, right? So we're just adding layers. So I think we need to be smarter, to your point. I think we need to start having those, um, those debates internally, externally, um, and across the board, right? Because it, it's a political conversation with a little p, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then not just that, it's beyond the implementation, right? Yep. Then you go into change, yep. change, man change control, problem incident management, CAPAs, deviations, uh, periodic reviews and retirement, yep. and you still need to apply yep. that risk yep. all the way through. Um, I had a Audit trails. Audit, oh my so, goodness. So oh. I see these, now, this is now the new trend, right? So, so we won't do all of this, but now we're going to review your audit trail. And, and, <laughs> um, I don't know. Again, I'm a chemist. I solve problems, like, right? That's just kind of who I am. And for those that develop software, audit trail is an audit trail. Is an audit audit trail, trail, right? right? It's ones and zeros. Mm -hmm. Like, you either do it or you don't. It's right. not going to change right um so what what are we reviewing audit trails for exactly well and that's that's an interesting thing so i was uh i was working at a company um prior to kpmg and um they were having some regulatory regulatory challenges mm -hmm. and um one of their we hired a you know external consultant mm -hmm. to help us and they said that we had to review for our SAP system, we had to review all of our audit trails. I'm like, you're putting us out of business. Yeah. Let's let's look at what audit trails we need to. What are we trying to accomplish? Right. What's and, what's the problem? What's the problem? And I understood what they were trying to accomplish. Right. It was the reason for change. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, let's pay, let's put a risk based approach to this. Right. Let's let's look at this mathematically. Mm -hmm. Let's look at a sample size of the audit trails related to batch records and release. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. 
we have to do this X, Y, Z. I'm like, half of these functions are not even GXP. Yeah. So let's, you know, it was it was an interesting discussion. It was an interesting debate. Yeah, I think and, things gets conflated, right? There yeah. are reasons um, in statistical analysis mm-hmm. when you're doing that from a drug development perspective mm-hmm. where audit trails are important of when you're changing calculations in order mm-hmm. to get your formulas correct. Right. Which is not the same as an ERP system that's programmatically designed to do an output. Right, right. Yeah. So it was, uh, there were, those were some interesting conversations, even within, you know, us consultants who yeah. are supposed to be yeah. experts in CSV. Um, I, I learn every day from my colleagues, That's right? Right? Yeah. right? So I think it's, like you said, it's the external conversations, it's the internal conversations that really will allow CSA mm-hmm. to propagate. And be embraced. I mean, as I mentioned yesterday, um, Gartner came out with a study, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was great, right? Because everyone wants a Gartner study, right? And so we'll have another conversation about that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's how industry is, right? Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they, you know, they came up with some really interesting facts today. And I mean, we've all known this: thirty percent overhead. Yeah, it's shifting, shifting left is uh, again the topic of Ed, Ed's talk today is is shifting to the right thing mm-hmm. right um, I loved your um, triangle um, mm-hmm. inverted triangle um, part of that is also the inverted software testing model um, mm-hmm. in that is again this is not new uh, this has been 20 plus years in the making right um, it's flipping the dynamic and getting to the the most basic things first right right and then and then the other stuff. Um, right. It's more like I, I feel like we're being robotic, right? Right. We're very, very mechanical. It's like, okay, my procedure says this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to the procedure. It's, and, and that's not the intent of the FDA and the regulators, right? They really want us to think things through. Right. That's why the C and the CGMP, it's really for us to really think yeah. and apply principles in order to ensure we meet the right. spirit and intent of the regulation. And I think we've lost a lot of that over time, mm-hmm. which has handcuffed us, really. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've heard of clients not upgrading their software, their, their, software, their QMS systems, their yeah. ERP systems. they're afraid. It's a fear-based model, right? Um, fear of the unknown, fear of what's going to happen, fear of getting audited, fear of this. Like, there's so many levels of fear that... Um, we have to break through. And, and cost. Break, and cost. Well, all of the, the fear of not doing, there's a cost of oh, not yeah. doing either, right? So there's, um, yeah, I mean, we could probably go on for hours about some of the stories of, you know, data retention and archiving um, and the costs and oh. not needed costs there, right? But again, it's from a fear-based perspective or not understanding technology or um, not willing to have, um, to question, right? I mean, just doing what is being asked um, Excuse me. In, in, a, in a variety of ways, right? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I remember, gosh, when cloud solutions were coming out, mm-hmm. right? And we were looking at it, and we are like, cloud solutions? Mm-hmm. Hmm, how are we going to apply um, CSV, ITQA, right. uh, principles and controls? And really, when we were looking at it, we are like... This is this is not this any is not different. Yeah, I mean it really is. Host, I mean, as hosted solutions, right? <laughs> Do we really like question like Microsoft 365? Do we really question like things that have been again readily available in the marketplace for a long time? Um, and most of the big 
formal use the same sets of tools and, oh, yeah. and things, right? So we're reinventing the wheel each and every time. Are we really that special and that different? I think that's also part of it. It's like um, there's, um, even from a, um, a software vendor perspective or even consulting firms, right? Like the moment you say you're in health and life sciences, it's like this there's this difference, right, that comes, that, that this heaviness that comes along with that. Um, well, and, and it's interesting because I've, I've had some conversations and, you know, what do you do, <laughs> right? And so, I, you know, I sat down and I was like, okay, how would I explain this? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, everyone knows Sarbanes-Oxley. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows HIPAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, PIA, everyone knows these regulations and standards, GDPR. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's no different, but from a FDA perspective. So it's basically FD, it's regulatory controls around your SDLC as required by global health authorities. And when I explained it in those simple terms, the mystery went away. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's not that hard. It's not that difficult. I'm like, absolutely. I don't know why everyone makes it such a big to-do and a big deal. Um, well, let's um, switch focus a little bit because I think one of the things um, I do, I, I mean, I think you do as well on a regular basis, is um, I do hold, like, um, coaching sessions for my clients and, and talks and, and more and more um, what's being asked of me is, is more on how to influence change and particularly women in a variety of roles um, depending on their title within the organizations and so um, is that coming up for you as well? Oh absolutely, absolutely um, and it's internally as well as externally mm-hmm. um, and one of the things I'm so happy to see um, and you've probably already seen it, um, within um, KPMG, we strive to really be more um, understanding of diversity um, and really encouraging our young female colleagues to take on more technology-based um, roles. Um, and I think it's it's it's... And I'm, I'm starting to see more and more women um, in that space, which is making me so happy. Um, and it's it's my last team. Um, it was a team of 10, only one man. <laughs> and everyone's like, Mahadevi, did you purposely do that? And I'm like, no, it wasn't done by design. It just happened to mm-hmm. be that way. And, uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to coach more and more women um, within KPMG and even within my clients, you know, starting to use your voice, starting to really, you know, you are a technology expert. Mm-hmm. Recognize that, leverage that, mm-hmm. and um, advocate that, right? Um, and I'm starting to, like I said, see more and more women in the CSV space, mm-hmm. um, IT space, and the technology space, which is wonderful. Yeah. It's um, as the um, as the uh, the shift in dynamic, you'll read some reports, right? That you, more women in tech are coming, and and at the same time, in order to do that, there's more and more programs that are required in order to have the support. Because typically, um, still the numbers say we're underrepresented um, across the board in STEM um, STEM industries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, which is kind of 
uh, unique and weird for me. I'm actually um, went to Bryn Mawr, which is an all-women's school and then graduate school there. And um, so being uh, supported by women have been, has been natural for me right. um, within my career, but that's not necessarily the experience of most women. Um, so I've actually been in the same situation as you. My father was a, he's a retired uh, professor, um, engineering professor, and he had three girls. And and my mother and he every day were like, you're just as good as any boy. Mm-hmm. Advocated us playing sports, um, advocated us to not just get bachelor's degrees, but master's degrees, um, work within the technology space, um, and uh, we're doing that with my the next generation as well, right? Um, making them, you know, understand how important math and science are, and advocating those types of careers, but keeping them, you know, having their creative side and you know being exploring that as well. Um, I um, am on a committee for our Chicago office that um, so we have. It's called Women in Technology, mm-hmm. and. Um, Again, having a safe space to kind of talk about these things. Our membership grows every year. Right. Um, be able to talk about, you know, the challenges they're having. Um, what can they do? How can they bring and advocate for themselves as well as their peers? Um, and it's been a great organization, I have to say. We meet once a quarter, um, be it formal or informal. We have coaching sessions. We have mentoring sessions. So it's been a great experience, I have to say, um, like I, within KPMG, because um, they do advocate that quite a bit. And then, again, my personal you know, passion for it as well. Yeah. Um, so here at Connects, we, um, we've, we're going to uh, launch Women Leading Validation, um, and the goal and hopes are to be able to bring together um, women like yourself, myself, that mm-hmm. have been doing this for a while and help um, shepherd in the, the new generation and have that safe space to be able to have those conversations. Um, some of the feedback that I've gotten so far as we've been launching this out is like, thank you, thank you, thank you, right, Mm -hmm. Um, is that I finally have a space where I can ask questions where I'm not necessarily heard in meetings. And so I think to your earlier point is, right, how to be heard, how to get your voice at the table. Um, There are um, a lot of studies around, you know, the powers of three, right, really Mm -hmm. having three women in the room Mm -hmm. in order to actually have any one of those women be heard and I think that's a really important point um, as we have these nuanced conversations because what we're talking about in our industry right is having more difficult conversations and so how do you have those conversations in a room where your voice just because of your gender may also currently be not necessarily heard first no totally absolutely and then the self-advocating right Mm -hmm. um i think a lot of women especially young women are shy away from that right um no it's okay i don't need you know apologizing apologizing first oh sorry the word sorry i'm like please don't say the word sorry (laughs) you're not no no because your peer would never say that your your male peer would not say sorry right um um saying you know basically you know using, you know, standing up straight and, you know, oh, I'm, you know, excuse me. No, no, it's it's nice to be polite. You have to be polite. You have to be sincere. But at the same time, it's okay. Yeah. And so uh, those are some of the things that I'm trying to 
also advocate with our with our next gen and even with my my own peers right um i've had clients that have been like mavi can you help me through this through these situations through these conversations and i'm like these are easy conversations because if the roles were reversed your male counterpart would be having this conversation with you yeah nope yeah so great point so in in many cases um being a consultant um, in the room as a woman just to have that support mm-hmm. for the colleagues and the customers that we have that are women to be able to really hone in on their thoughts and ideas of mm-hmm. being that support system for them in their journey because at that point most of the time they already know what's the right thing to do right they just have not yet been able to get over the barrier of being heard or um, being valued enough to to go with the new direction, right? Because some of the things we are talking about are are, are things that you do have to take a leap of faith in. Absolutely, it's going to be okay, right? You need to change this. You need to change this. Like that change is hard, and to be able to stand up and advocate for your change and have it be embraced rather than rebutted. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, totally agree with you. But then at the same time. Don't don't not be yourself either. Right. Still stay authentic, mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the things I also um, tell, you know, um, my mentees or the women that I'm coaching. Still be yourself. You know, it's it's okay. Yeah. Um, you mentioned mentees is one of the things you and I have talked about in the past. Um, uh, I wonder if we can spend a moment talking about um, the mentee mentor relationship, mm-hmm. right? Um, and how it is a two way working pair, right? right. Um, um, we can, we'll, we'll table sponsorship for another podcast because that's a whole different thing, but can you talk a little bit about your, you know, your philosophy around mentor-mentee relationships? So um, it's interesting because I learn a lot from my mentees just like you were just stating, and one of the things that I, I t- do with my mentees and I also do with my mentors is it's my conversation. It's it, the mentee's conversation, right? Whatever you want to talk about whenever you want to talk about it, right? And it's a safe space to talk, right? And speak about, speak your mind, discuss, etc. And I think one of the challenges a lot of our female mentees have is, what do I talk about? Mm -hmm. What does that discussion look like? And so um, I always help them, like, frame out the first two or three. Um, Look at what your goals are and how you're achieving those goals and what is my role in helping you mm-hmm. in achieving those goals and uh but it is a it's it's an interesting conversation because i think women as a whole have a hard time with it asking for what you want mm-hmm. right defining what you want right um being able to to know because for myself i already know my deficiencies right right i'm very self-aware and i've done a lot of work <laughs> in my life to mm-hmm. know where my gaps are right? right but what i i always need to figure out is what are the things that i want and then what how to get those gaps in the skill sets that i need in order to get to the next level and that's what a mentor is supposed to do right right so it's but like i so i always have i have a spreadsheet mm-hmm. i give to every new mentee and it was given to me by one of my mentors it was. It talks about goals, and it talks about not just your career goals. Um, it's your so it's your your professional goals, 
your career goals, and your personal goals. Mm -hmm. And it goes into a one, like a a three to six month, one year and three year. And everyone's like, why only three years? I'm like, because as you grow within your career, your goals are going to change. And it's good to write it all down because they all have, you have to, they all have to align. Yeah. And um, a great example of this is a girl from one of my best friends, she uh, came to visit me from California. Super successful career woman, you know, a senior vice president of, at a technology company. Mm-hmm. She's an engineer herself, and her daughters are actually now engineers. Um, but at that time, she, she was, you know, vice, senior vice president of sales for a technology company for all of North America, which included Canada and Mexico. Two of her daughters were entering high school, and her youngest son was still in grammar school. And we're chatting, and she's like, oh, yeah, these are, you know, I have all these trips for work, et cetera. I'm like, oh, wow, that's a lot. You know, luckily you have help at home. And she's like, yep, I do. She's like, I'm also thinking about maybe taking a course, you know, it was some technology um, certification. I'm like, okay, you know, you're on the road. You might as well do it if you could do it online. And then she's like, and? And I'm like, and what? (laughs) And she's like, oh, I'm thinking about running the L.A. Marathon. Mm. And I'm like, okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you are superwoman, but that's like beyond. <laughs> and I said, look at everything, because you can't do everything 100%. Right. Right? And so that's the same. I use that story when I, I give everyone that spreadsheet, because you have to really look at all your goals and how they align, mm-hmm. because they have to complement each other. Right, because if they don't, you're going, you're not going to succeed. Yeah, so I and so I rebut the the work life balance conversation, and I talk about work life integration. Right, right. It's it's integrating things in a way that that makes sense mm-hmm. um, within all of the things that you're talking about. Not everything within one dynamic is a hundred percent top priority. Right, mm-hmm. there might be elements of things that do matter. Right. Um, Typically, women do balance a lot more than mm-hmm. our male counterparts, and we're very, very good at it. Right. Um, and so that plays into a lot of different things, right? Right. People ask more of us. Um, we're unwilling to say no. Um, oh, that's my biggest problem. Right? Um, <laughs> and, and so a lot, lot of those characteristics play out in not necessarily fulfilling what that one to three year goal plan is right and and there are sidetracks and things that mm-hmm. that go along but I like the um I like what you t- you talk about about the mentee coming and owning the relationship and um not every as you grow not every mentor is is the the same mentor that you need right because mm-hmm. as you grow right you're going to need to figure out what it is um my mentor today is definitely not the same one I had three years ago oh right? absolutely um and so to your point of of there may be a shorter duration there. Um, uh, it's, it's funny because something that my husband and I disagree on, like he has this 10-year plan, and I'm like, I could care less about 10 years. <laughs> you know, like because it's because I am constantly evolving and changing. Exactly. And, and figuring out a lot. That's why I always say no more than three, mm-hmm. right? Because you do evolve. Um, your goals do change. Life happens. Right. So you always have to kind of pivot mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, adjust to mm-hmm. to the challenges that come up, right? Yeah. So uh, that's, that's 
I align with you on that because I, I do see people with 10-year plans and I'm like, where it's nice to have that destination, right. you may have to pivot. pivot. Right. There's a journey there. Exactly. Right. And take that journey. All right, Mavi. Well, it was lovely, Dory. Thank you yeah, so much for inviting me. Well, it was good. We'll do it again. Um, we'll be continuing to evolve the conversation over time, and um, hopefully folks will send in topics that, that we want to get addressed as well. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much, and um, I hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. Yes. I'm looking forward to your talk. Thanks. Or talks. I think you have two, right? No, I think I, I hope to not say a lot today. I really want to have Ed um, share, you know, kind of, basic principles of good engineering practices and and so uh, hopefully it will be new and different for folks to hear great well thank you so much have a great day thanks thank you take care